Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. We're doing it, baby. How you doing, Tommy? It's good to see you. Good to see you. We're back with Stephen Frew, dual PhD in theology, psychology, and today we're breaking down discipline. Discipline. It's a heavy word, discipline. Heavy word. Especially in my space. Yeah. Everyone in my space wants to be so disciplined, right to the, right to it, uh, down to the minute, uh, perfecting every last second, perfecting every rep. And it's beautiful. It's really good. But what do you think about discipline? I think, you know, we have in our culture lots and lots of uh, code words that people make a lot of. Discipline is one of them. A code word is something that everybody thinks they know what you're talking about. For example, when you say, I love my girlfriend, you, you think that your friends know what you're talking about, but yet they really don't. They know what they're talking about. But when you say, I love someone, you're saying something out of your own uniqueness, out of your own history, out of your own complex family relationships. You're talking about your way you love. So I love my girlfriend means something to me, means something different to you. When you're saying that guy needs discipline, Tommy needs discipline. You say to me, what what's that mean? I mean, he's successful. He's young. He's good looking. He does all this stuff with coaching. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's got it made. He's doing it. He's kicking. So you say, I say, Tommy needs discipline. You say, what do you mean? You mean he needs to be spanked? You mean he needs to be locked in his room? You mean he needs to be shamed? What do you mean by discipline? So that's a good question, I think. So the good question is, if I said that, I'm not saying that, but if I said that about Tommy, it might mean that he gives people too much of himself and isn't disciplined enough to say, that's all I can do today, or that's all I can do in this hour, or that's all I can do with my family. He, it might mean limited. It might mean Tommy knows how to limit himself. We use the word discipline to cover that. If we yeah. say Stephen needs discipline, we might say he talks too much. And I say, well, I have a lot to say. You say, good, <laughs> but you talk too much. So what about that? I like that. I like that. I had a conversation with an athlete actually yesterday. Um, this kid has already been through a lot. 16 years old, a um, couple injuries, uh, incredible athlete. Uh, numbers are off the board in terms of performance metrics. Um, but he's already suffered some serious injuries. And he plays multiple sports. And he... And he's 16? 16. And he struggles to tell people when he's hurting. And so it's kind of like that. There's definitely a model there. I'm not going to act like I can psychoanalyze, but even speaking with his father yesterday and him in the room, you can tell that the dad is looking at him, wants him more, more, more. You, you can do more training. We've done this training. We, we've been training since sixth grade. You're, he's going to be a pro. And they're, they're having this conversation. He's just kind of shoving it down his throat. And I'm sitting there listening and I, I had the dad in the room and I looked at the kid and I said, the biggest thing that you need to work on and the biggest thing that I can offer you, there's training programs all over the world. There's great coaches all over the world. There's people who can help you with all these performance metrics, metrics all over the world. But the biggest thing that I can help you with is being honest to yourself. And I believe that falls under this category of discipline to oneself. And being honest meant when you feel something in your body, you have to say something. 
you have to say something. You can't feel it and then not acknowledge it and push through because that jeopardizes every training program. No training program can be successful unless someone actually listens to themselves and listens to what they're trying to do. That's true. And so I looked at the dad and I said, your job is going to have to be to let him be honest. And he had a little tear rolling down his eye while I was saying it. I said, you have to let him be honest. And it really struck a nerve with him. And so if I can help that kid become more honest with himself, that might be the biggest precursor on preventing injuries for him. Self-discipline. He's got to have discipline for when he feels something and what to do about it. And we could go down a realm of different worlds with that, whether it's physical or mental or, or relationships. It, but having the honesty and the discipline to be able to say something about it. Yeah, well, look, you, you, you brought in a critical factor. My coach many, many years ago, Paul Fairweather, talked about the importance of father presence in the young man. What he meant wasn't father standing there. Was He meant what the father brought to the son in his journey into self-realization, into his journey to self-actualization, into his journey to his own authority, to being the young man that he was meant to be. That Paul called... Father presence assess, assists that and 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 amplifies it. Without that, he the son, the young man, is left to kind of figure everything out by himself. And if he has a father who's telling him he could do more all the time, he gets deeper into doubt, less and farther away from his own authority. He becomes angry or he becomes passive. With that, can you take uh, take us through the five pillars supporting success and discipline? Well, these are old ones. If you look at it, this is what happened in factories in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. This is the Industrial Revolution. This is what Henry Ford discovered. This is what uh, guys like uh, the guy who, who was the president of the uh, head of uh, GE, uh, Welsh or Walsh, Jim Walsh, I guess his name was. He said every year they'd fire the bottom 10%. And you say, why would you fire the bottom 10%? Well, he said, if they can't make it here, they're bottom 10%. They probably might be able to make it somewhere else. He had no empathy for people on a learning curve. He only was able to do that. So here's some of the ones that... I kind of like that, though. What's that? I kind of like that. Well, a lot of people like that. Fire the bottom 10%. They bought his book. They bought his book. Get rid of them. Yeah, get rid of them. My way or the highway. You're out the door. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. probably pretty successful. Well, he, he was. The caveat, maybe is the word, is that you can be successful and use a lot of people. A lot of college professors, for example, I was a graduate student. I had graduate student professors who stole my material and then had other students research it and published. So the, the, you, can, you can use a lot of people, and he used people. He was also successful. He turned GE around. So then you have to ask the question of ethics. You know, what is best for this company? What is best for this sports sure. team? I suspect there are some very successful coaches who have really made a mess out of some of the young men they've coached. Yeah. And they've, they've gone on to have concussions and all kinds of stuff. They played hurt. They did this. They did that. Now they're in their 30s or their 40s and they're drug addicts and they're broke. Whatever it is, the stories are all out there. They're in the church. They're in an industry. They're in sports. So you got to watch for that kind of story because that story is a hero story. 
fire the bottom 10%. So here's the five things the old guys thought about, uh, you know, discipline. First one is acceptance. Well, if I'm coaching you, the first thing is acceptance. So you accept my philosophy and my way of going about it. My way or the highway, Tommy. See you if you don't like it. Funny thing is, though, that you've never talked to me about your philosophy. No, I don't. You don't even bring it up for me to accept. Right. That's right. Because that this is inside out, not outside in. These Go ahead. Are, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot back at you with each one of these old ones and yes. show you how you're actually doing it in the new way. Huh. Go ahead. All right, thank you. The second one is willpower. Okay, so here's the thing. If you're working with Steven and you're in there and it's it's hard work. It's hard work in there. Um if you're a little tired, close your eyes. Yes. Take a little nap. Yes. Is that what they tell you at uh, practice in sports? No. Oh, I'm a little tired, coach. All right, take a nap. No. No. Nah. They work through it. Work through it. Yeah. But then the work through it doesn't become that productive. It becomes bad work. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. Well, you know, the funny, you want a funny reference. In the 70s, we, were, we had an awful lot of books uh, called sex manuals, how to do better in the bedroom manuals. There were a lot of those in the 70s. And basically, they were the same thing. They, they taught you how to please your woman or how to please your man. They were all about performance. They weren't about how to listen to your woman or how to have empathy or how to develop your own lovingness. They were taught, they were mechanical manipulating manuals. So um, third one, hard work. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, this is the, everything that you're going to do is going to require hard work. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't really know what to say about that one. Well, hard work is another, it comes from the old Puritans in our history. Uh, the John Calvins in Europe and so forth, they idealized sacrifice. They idealized that you would listen to the hierarchy, the priest, whoever it was, that that's what your job was. And that gets translated into industry and that gets translated into sports. So hard work is a way of saying, look, I'm doing good, aren't I? Except it's deceptive because you can be working really hard and get no acknowledgement for it, but you can be moving towards yourself and towards your own authority. Industry. Well, industry is a form of hard work which has to do with your creating new ways to work harder. So you're, in a sense, industry has to do with your out-coaching your coach. And that's another way of getting his approval or her approval and acceptance. Persistence. Persistence is, is one of the four or five words I use uh, in my little model for how to go from uh, numbness to intimate connecting. It's called the CAPS model, and we'll, we'll come back to that sometime. Persistence just has to do with noticing that you don't dare take a day off. That that's what your mother said when she said you had to make the bed every day whether you like it or not. That was thought to be a good training in self-responsibility. And probably it was. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But. There's always but, right? In all of these words, there's however or a but. Because your thing is about working with the person inside the athlete. That's where the however, that's where the but. Yeah. 
because the person says that athlete says one thing and his coaching says one thing, but the person inside the athlete says, wait a minute, I see this a little differently. I like that. Yeah, me too. Me too. So we're talking about discipline. If you want to get a handle on this, think of it. It's not exactly true and it's not exactly reliable, but to have fun with this idea Think about an old style of discipline, you know, where the uh, old monks would put uh, cat of nine tails on their back to try to make them into more spiritual people. And where the teachers in my childhood, which isn't that long ago, only 80 years ago, uh, in my childhood, the teachers would whap your knuckles with a wooden ruler. There was discipline in that way, or they'd make you stand in the corner or put a dunce hat on you in the corner to shame you. So that, that was called discipline. So that that goes fear is almost the short term fix. Yeah, fear. I think so. You know, you you get you get whacked with the ruler. Discipline. Yes. yes. But it's a short term fix. The the kid who probably got whacked with the ruler every day probably ended up in jail. Probably did some crazy stuff because it was a short term fix. No one yeah. helped him right. get towards his love and passion. Right. Which is going to be the long term fix, helping right. someone get towards their love and passion. Right. And that's what I actually discussed at San Diego State, right? Like yes. you heard my talk. It yes. was it was more about understanding what the why behind they love the game. And that's the long-term fix towards discipline. Like if you love this so much, right? If you love this so much, you're going to be willing to do this every single day with love and passion behind it rather than thinking, oh, I need to be disciplined to the hour. I need to be disciplined to this because I wrote down my goals and I said I was going to do it and I'm going to do it. And there's, there's goodness behind that, but it's it can be depleting and you could, uh, it's why people start, uh, new year's goals, new year's resolutions, right, and right. they run out by March. Yeah. By Be February. <laughs> yeah. By February, whenever they run out, right. because there was, it was out of fear, right? right? It wasn't written out of love. Right. That's right. So you could say there's two drivers of personal change and sustainable excellence. One is love and one is fear. You could, t- you could say that because it can be easily summarized that way. And what you're wanting to do is find the most essential and true driver in yourself. If you are an athlete that is interested in excellence or if you're a businessman or if you're a coach, whatever you are, you want to find the most sustainable driver of excellence. The sustainable driver of excellence is love, not fear. So Stephen wrote down a few of these questions that he proposed that I really want to read I want to read the questions sure. and if you're listening to this um you know ask these questions to yourself ask these questions to yourself and uh these are conversation starters regarding um owning your own pathway yeah to a life fully lived yes it's beautiful now a great question to start with is what am i doing here what am i doing here yeah what's most important to me yeah what is my natural genius Mm-hmm. whether it's in a relationship, in a sport, in a business, in a family, what is my natural genius? Get in touch with that. Getting in touch with what you're really gifted at is very fulfilling. Well, let's kind of guide you on a lot of things. Yeah, let's let go, me, let me well, ask the last go one. Go ahead. Yeah. Who and how do I love? Yeah. For me, that's the most important one. That's, 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 that's it right there. <laughs> Because if I show up on your team and I'm a 15-year-old 
And as I said at the beginning, you know, you're an attractive coach, you're a knowledgeable coach, you have passion and love for what you're doing. That's all beautiful. And everybody who listens to podcasts knows that about Tommy, can see that in him. If I show up as a 15-year-old wanting to be coached, am I showing up because I want Tommy to approve of me? Or am I showing up because I really want to disciple with Tommy? I want to be a disciple. That's different than discipline, but it comes from the same root. The disciple is choosing a mentor, is choosing somebody who already has figured some of this out. He's not saying, you have to hit me with the cat of nine tails 20 times so I do my 20 push-ups. He's saying, wow, Tommy's in good shape. Tommy, what, what, what do you do to stay in such good shape? Tommy doesn't say, do 50 push-ups or I'll hit you with the cat of nine tails. He says, wow, I, well, I, I kind of do this. I do some of this. I'm very clear about a glass of water and making my bed in the morning. I do breathing. I do whatever he does. And you're saying, huh, could I do the same thing, Tommy, and, and expect to get in great shape? Yeah, I think you could. Well, will you coach me? I'm not sure. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Let's see. So it's, it's by invitation is the critical word there, not by demand. Not because your father said you got to be coached by Tommy Costello or I'm going to whip you. Not that. I think that really aligns with, uh, you've told me a story about your friend Randy before. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy who owns the restaurants. Yes. And uh, he has a story about the wine, right? Oh, cognac. Yeah. He, Randy said that good coaching, Randy has owned many restaurants and gained a great deal of wealth and he's a good friend and he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, he said to me one night, he says, you know, for good coaching, like good psychotherapy, you give out little nuggets and they, he said, they can almost miss them because they're so obvious and you get them so quick. He said, you know how cognac is made? We were living in Malibu at the time. He and I lived with him for four or five, five years. He said, see this living room, huge living room overlooking the beach. He said, you fill up this entire living room with wine. And then you start to distill it. And by time you get to the end of the process, you got a bottle of cognac, which may cost you three or four or five thousand dollars. It is that precious. He said, this kind of work and your interest in poetry is like cognac. It, it, you take and you, 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 you distill a lot of wisdom down, which isn't really that new to most people. But by time you get it distilled and put it in a phrase, it's, it becomes very, very powerful. That's, that's Randy's gift to this. I love that. Yeah, me too. Well, that's plenty on discipline. Yeah, well, if you say most discipline talks are repetitious, and you get somebody who has a lot of charisma up there saying, and I do 20 push-ups before dawn, and I do this, and I do that, and I do this, and look at what you get. That, you know, that works. Maybe people get in better shape. But we're looking at a new age, if you want to say it that way. What, what the bumper sticker on the Volkswagen bus in the 1960s that I saw, the bumper, said, bumper sticker said, question everything. And so the, I'm, I'm in terms of interest, I'm in terms of mostly men, some women, questioning their paradigm, questioning the patterns that have gone into forming the individual that they are and listening very carefully to what their challenges are and where they're missing what they believe they can be and want to do. That's a really critical point. As you listen to that, then you want to listen to how can we best, most powerfully affect 
the breaking up of that pattern or the shifting of that paradigm. What happened in Wizard of Oz, the wizard said, you guys are living in an old paradigm. I have a new paradigm for you. Step into my office here and I'll show you what it's about. Beautiful. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 